Everybody is here on their own journey. You got to figure it out for yourself. For me, hands down, the best diet. Nobody has to die for me to feel amazing. And I am committed to not being harmful in this life, in the words that I use and how I communicate with people, how I place my foot on the ground. I mean, I am constantly watching for ants on the trail. I know I miss some of them, but my intention is never to harm, never to harm. And the fact that I get to eat food and nobody dies for it, that's just amazing because for me, when I went vegan, Uh, and stopped eating the stress and the fear and the sadness and the isolation and uh, the grief of animals because it doesn't matter if they're grass-fed. It doesn't matter if they live a beautiful life because that, that used to be important to me. Like, oh, they live a great life. They have all this land. The end point is always the same and it's nasty and it's very dirty and I don't have to be involved in that anymore. And that makes me feel really grateful. Also, I think that the earth appreciates it too, because we're not clearing, I'm not contributing to the deforestation anymore or species extinction. And sure, I, um, I have plant, I eat plants, which are living beings. And, um, what I can tell you is that my cuts are clean and my knife is sharp and I do it with gratitude. So I create you know, as least amount of harm as possible in my life. And I am committed to that from now until the end of my time here. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the show. This is episode one, two, niner, and it's Saturday night. It's Saturday night, it's seven o'clock, and we just had smoothie bowls for dinner. We just got done with our workouts. It's been a, it's been an amazing day, actually. And I'm here with my love, our head coach, and 2019 Kona qualifier, BJ. Whoa, that's big. <laughs> that's big. How does that feel to have me broadcast <laughs> literally that to the world? <laughs> take some... Uh... Take some work on the inside for sure. To receive it? To receive it and to own it. What's like, what's coming in right now? God, ah, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. <laughs> don't do it, don't do it. But don't, it's done. Don't it's let done. me be successful. It's, it's just words. Just words. Yeah, it's just words, but it's also just words. Absolutely. Because <laughs> words are powerful. A lot of those words are inside for a long time. And then when they vo- you vocalize it and it comes out, then it's like, hmm. Shit gets a little bit real. Are you vocalizing it more? Because I mean, absolutely more than I've ever. Although yeah. it's probably like chirp here, chirp, chirp here, <laughs> chirp. <laughs> it's not like yo. We might be a little punchy. <laughs> it's seven o'clock. We've been up since five. We did have. I had an amazing day up at five. We had an awesome meditation this morning, and then I went and spoke at the on a panel at the. Vegan Lady Boss uh, San Diego meeting today, which was so awesome. And man, I just so passionate about what we do. And I was speaking specifically on mindfulness and meditation and just so passionate about what we do. And I'm so grateful for what we get to share in this life. And, you know, I wrote something one day and I see that you've been using it on our website that, you know, we risked everything to create the biggest thing we ever created, something like that. And it's so true. And when I look back at what we've been through in the last couple of years, I mean, if you're just tuning into the show, we've been through a total financial dismantling. And I wouldn't trade any of it because it's all 
been so um, filled with like vibrancy and vibrancy of growth and vibrancy of lessons to be learned and vibrancy of getting to the other side of things that I think we came here to get to the other side of. And then because we were brave enough to do that, we're now like we're in the slipstream and it's happening. It's the physical is, is catching up with, you know, our belief and that can take some time. Would you trade any of it? Not, 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 not a moment. It was, it was just so awesome experience. Intense, though, dude. It was so intense. And, and when I, when people pose questions about, you know, how to navigate the challenges in life or maybe with their partner or whatever it is, I always come back to, you know, it's, it, it's not a bad idea to spend six months in a car with your significant other, <laughs> but just to have that experience, the one-on-one interaction, the, the drives of, of quiet without a radio and just really getting back to the roots of making decisions in the moment and not having that over overbearing, you know, timeline or commitment to get things done. It's just like, here we are right now. What, what's the next step? And I feel that a lot of people could benefit from that. I know it was pretty dramatic what we did, but there, there are levels of that that you can take to, you know, manipulate and, and make it your own, but but you have to be open to it. You have to be open to challenging yourself, challenging your beliefs. So do you feel like for you, that was the biggest opportunity for growth was like just you and I being on the road together? Because I feel like you, you reference that often. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I feel like it, it, it really was a powerful time, a powerful time. Yeah. I, there's so many times where we wanted to, to move forward and get to where we're going. There were times where we had to just, just step back. There are times we didn't know where we were going to stay. There are times... We were in the tent. We didn't have Wi-Fi. Like all of these challenges make you step up your game and and allow you to uncover what's truly important in your life in that moment. Right? You found out that Wi-Fi is very important. Wi-Fi, I took for granted. (laughs) Even even though even though it's promoted as a thousand acres or a hundred acres of Wi-Fi, there were no acres of Wi-Fi. And we lived at that campground for yeah. a while. I think for me, the biggest part of growth, and I actually didn't even think we were going to talk about this, was to, to witness the financial dismantling because I do all the money and to see that bank account going down, 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 down to like a dollar and the debt going up, 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 like over 5,000, over 10,000, over 20,000. You want to get real, you guys? Over 30,000. The debt was just insane, like racking up and meeting it in a totally new way, meeting it in gratitude, meeting it in gratitude in that, wow, we have incredible credit. How lucky are we that we have two years of 0% on this credit card so we can pay our rent and we can get food. And it was just amazing. And we just kept going and everybody kept saying, keep going, keep going, keep going. And we did. And, and, uh, we're coming, we're coming out of the woods and we're really, really grateful. And so before we jump in, um, speaking of that, you know, you guys, this is a listener supported podcast. Like we literally, we couldn't do it without you all. And I just want to thank Daniel vegan powered athlete. If you guys aren't following him, you got to follow him VPA vegan powered athlete on Instagram. 
Uh, thank you so much, Daniel, for taking the double up challenge. We are challenging all of our current Patreon supporters to double their pledge through the end of the year. And then if they find that they're still able to fuel their training, put fuel in the gas tank of their car, have a roof over their head, we're going to ask everyone to keep it so that we can keep this show going. And um, all right, that's it. We're going to dive right in with asking you, Beach, to let us all know how your first four weeks of your self-inflicted bike camp is going. What's happening with that? Four weeks ago, starting October 1st, I decided to jump into bike camp, enrolled myself in. I was accepted. Um, only person accepted into the camp. And it's it, it covers <laughs> anywhere from... It sounds a little bit ridiculous if you're looking at it from, from an outside perspective at times, but it, it, it involves 12 to 15 hours of cycling a week. And includes anywhere from seven to nine rides, uh, sometimes double rides, and two intense days and one long day, and then one strength day. So that's going to continue to morph as as I get familiar with this because this is this is new for me. But for the first four weeks, I can absolutely say with one hundred percent, no doubt totally confident that I'm much stronger as a cyclist than I've ever been. Now that is attributed partly due to the cycling, but there's other things I've taken into account too is I'm coming off a month of rest. You know, I took a break from the season, mm-hmm. kind of regathered myself. I've started to incorporate strength training again, like heavy weights, and I'm doing that consistently two to three times a week. And back to my yoga practice, like getting that yoga practice in. Because what happens when you get away from your yoga practice? My shit goes downhill. (laughs) Fast. (laughs) It does. It does. (laughs) It goes downhill fast for you because you do have, you can, you've been guilty of some fits and starts with yoga. And, And not long. It doesn't take long for the shit to go downhill and for you to get back on. But my question is, when are you gonna, when do you think, you will stop um, that cycle of having shit go downhill and then being like, God, it's my yoga. Why didn't I do yoga this week? I don't know. Do you think you're done with that yet? Or do you think you have still a few more to ring out, a few more cycles to ring out? Probably a few more cycles. A few more cycles, you think? But I don't know. I mean, right now in this moment, I'm enjoying the yoga and I know it's... (laughs) It's setting me up for the success that I've had so far. Yeah, it's so big. It's so big. And I just did, you know, another session, a Saturday night session on the hills. And that's what it takes. Like a long, I had a long morning of teaching yoga, a grateful morning of teaching yoga. It was amazing to to be in those classes. The the day came along and wasn't able to do my workout till 3.30. And that's when you, you're committed. Like you got to get out and ride. Like that's what you're doing. Yeah, I want to run. Of course I want to run. I love to run. Yeah, so what are you doing with biking and running right now? Aren't you freaking out that you're going to be no. losing your um, fitness? What do you? So what does your biking and running look like? Well, let me say I, I would at one point in the past be freaking out about my swimming totally. and running. But now I don't, I don't think about that at all because I know with six to eight weeks of solid, solid training, I can bring myself back up. I'm pretty confident in that respect. So right now, all I'm doing is swimming three times a week and running three times a week. 
And I've got one long run, which we're going to do tomorrow morning. We've got a pack. Yeah, we've got a little pack going little on. Trail. We're going to hit the trails. Trails, so strange. You're like a trail runner now. Thank you, Dan Beaver at Cadence Running Company for sending us two pairs of trail shoes, which amazing. And you know what? I also think that um, I would like to give a shout out to Mary Finding Kona, who really collaborated with you on the bike camp and, and has been a huge supporter of your success and helping you get to Kona. She's an amazing coach and friend of Yogi Triathlete and, um, and a dedicated meditator, I would say. And she is getting ready to do the Ultraman World Championships in a couple weeks here, maybe about three or four weeks from now. After just coming back from Kona World (laughs) World Championship. Championship. She's just about (laughs) World Championships, and that's just what happens when you meditate. No, she was was already doing that, but now she's doing it like a musta. So what's going on with your training? Let's, yeah, let's so switch I'm, gears where am I? This is typical me. I don't even know how far out I am from my race. So I pulled up the calendar and it looks like I'm about three weeks out. One, two, I'm three weeks out from today, from my race. And I would say my body is absorbing the load really well. And I know my spots and I know how to work with them. And sometimes that means that my, I slow my pace to concentrate on my form and doing a lot of work on core and mobility and strength throughout all the training, doing that two to three times a week and yoga three to five times a week, swimming twice a week, total recovery. There is not a lot of effort going on the pool people and I love it. But what kind of, what are you doing in the pool? So what, what, what constitutes the workout? Okay. So here's like a 45 minute workout. I do 300 warm up, and every 75 yards I'll do, I'll mix up the stroke. And then I do a a set of a thousand kicking. So it's like 200 kick with the snorkel and board. And I'm just like working on core and then kicking. So really recovering and fleshing out the legs and also strengthening the legs. So it goes 200 kick, 200 swim, 150 kick, 150 swim, 100 kick, 100 swim, 50 kick, 50 swim. And it starts at like 65% and it goes up to 85% effort. So there's a little bit of effort going on in there. And then I go into a pull set with the Eni buoy and I've been mixing that up between using the snorkel, not using the snorkel, using some paddles, and it really depends on how much time I have as far as how many of those I get in. And so any, I'm swimming maybe like 1,600 to like 22, 2,300 yards depending on the day. And then I'll just do like a little cool down. And so that's kind of been a workout I've been working with. And then the other one I've been working with is still has the meat of it is a thousand with a lot of kicking and that's dolphin kicking on my back with fins. So I feel like, oh, and also I'm doing vertical kicking. So I'm doing after the kick set, I'm doing six times 30 seconds vertical kicking with my arms like cactus arms and then 30 seconds rest. And I find that the vertical kicking is, is really great. It's helping. Yeah. And so, so you may, listeners, you may be thinking like, oh, that doesn't really sound like a lot of swimming. And it sounds like you're doing a lot of leg work and kicking. However, you're doing it in a pool. So there's no, you're not putting the load on the legs. You're, you're literally fine tuning and bringing up your awareness to each part of your body, the kicking, the vertical kicking, the kicking with the board, like you're super, super 
dialed into how, how it feels in your core? I Are can you tell you that sinking I... Sinking in your back. I get into that pool with some stiffiness in my body and I get out of that pool and I'm so fluid. It feels like I just had a massage. And then later on in the day, like I might feel a little bit of the, the kick in my legs, but then I'll do a run or maybe I won't even do a run or I'll just roll out or something like that. And, um, but it all, it's always so good the next day. So yeah, so I'm three weeks out at this point and I'm having, this week's going to be over 50 miles of running. And then I guess my question for you is you said that we are going to switch up my, my training. So where it's going to be really specific. So what does that mean? So really specific to the course, which is extremely hilly and yeah, so there's challenging. 7,000 feet of climbing, maybe a little bit more. I don't know. Is the North Face Challenge. So in these next two weeks, runs your total volume is going to come down because you've, you've been really consistent and really up there in your mileage. And, and up there in your mileage is up there for you based on what you've done in the previous months, previous years, right? Right. Like I think my first 50K, which was just last year, my biggest week was like, just over 40 miles. Yeah. And then this year it was like lots and more in the forties and I had like 150. And then leading into the second one this year, it was like, maybe there was a couple fifties. And then this one has been like super solid high mid high forties, like for weeks, for months. Yeah. So it's a compounding effect year after year, mm -hmm. like trail running and ultra running you, coming from endurance background is helpful, but you also are just putting on miles and miles on the legs. So I feel confident in, in bringing you up slowly and getting more consistent, right? Consistency is the key here. Like yeah. getting you out for runs, keeping I you healthy. Had, I haven't had to take any time off. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. You're doing a great job. So in these next two weeks, it's going to be more specific. So we're going to get on the trails. We're going to be doing the hill up and hill down. You know, hard efforts up, hard efforts down. Hard efforts up, hard efforts down. Really mimicking what you're going to do on race day, there's gonna be some walking, some hiking. So we're gonna get rid of more of the fluff stuff that we've been doing, like the steady 90 minute runs at math, like long, like it's gonna be very specific. Get on the trail. Let's like get very cued in and have your, your awareness be, okay, where am I gonna step? Where am I gonna step? How am I gonna, how am I gonna maneuver down this trail? How am I gonna get back up? Mm, I like it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm going to have an awesome day. There's, I just, I'm going to have an awesome day. So yeah, uh, you don't need to say much more than that. <laughs> yeah. That will be an be, awesome day. That's going to be the, the post race podcast. It was an awesome day. Thanks for tuning in. Okay. Let's so, jump into questions. What? Do you have another question? I was just going to say, if you're up in the San Fran area listening to this and we'll be there for a few days, yeah. come out and watch the race. It's the North challenge, North face challenge, 50 K 50 mile, 50 mile marathon, God, marathon and half marathon. That's all on Saturday. And then the half marathon, 10 K, 5 K is on Sunday. Okay. Yeah. So it's a big race, which I'm excited about. We're lining up some interviews up there. We got some, um, little ultra runner triathlete interviews up there. So we're pretty psyched to share those with you guys. And we're going to hop into our questions. Okay. First question comes from Jay. Thanks so much, Jay. Love your podcast. Two-part question. One, what's your opinion on the low-carb, high-fat, or keto diet that is so popular right now? Two, do you believe whole food, plant-based is the best diet for everyone? I'm whole food, plant-based, and vegan. I know how I feel about this, but I'm curious of your opinions. Thank you both for all you do. 
You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you Thank for sending you. in this question, yeah. dude. Because Thank you for listening. This is what I'm talking about. We couldn't do this without you. So thank you for sending in the content. All right. Question number one. So what's our opinion on the low-carb, high-fat, or keto diet? It's so popular right now. What do you think, I Beach? Know. I listened to, you may have heard the YouTube conversation on Joe Rogan with uh, Dr. Joel Kahn and the other guy from the keto side. And I watched about 15, 20 minutes of it. I know you listened to a little bit of it in the background. And it just, it got into all this science and this report and who was funding the report. And was it a, um, what kind of a study it was and all that stuff. You're, you're going to continue to hear that. You're going to, you can continue to find it. People are going to do these videos and be able to listen to it and everyone's going to have their opinion, right? Um, and our opinion, or I'm not going to speak for you, but what I feel is I, th- I believe that a plant-based diet for me is what makes me feel the best. Now, a keto diet, high in fat, low in carbs, to me, defeats the purpose of the activities that I'm trying to perform, endurance activities, which I need to have calories, I need to have carbohydrates in there to burn this fuel. I go for a long time. I, I need this stuff. I've tried, personally, I've tried to go higher fat, lower carb, right? And it's a disaster for me. I want to state stress it's for me. It was not a good scenario. And maybe I was doing it wrong. Maybe I didn't stick to it long enough. But what I can say is on a plant-based diet for where we're going on eight years now, it's the best I've ever felt. I don't have to put any thought into it. There's no like, I don't think about macros. I don't think about the balance of everything. I just eat a whole foods plant-based diet that's rich in a variety of fruits and vegetables and grains and seeds and nuts. And, um, and for me, that's, that's what works. Um, when that changes, when I don't feel well, when I stop performing extremely, um, extremely well at the top end, I'm 45 right now. I'm asking that because it's always a question. Especially during race registration. So I'm 45 and I feel strong and fit and I I firmly believe it's because of the food in addition to the other things that we do, the lifestyle, the meditation, the yoga, I feel like that all comes together. So if you're asking what's, what's the, is it the best? Well, I can't say it's the, for me, I'm not going to say it's the best, it's the best for me. And it, it, it sounds like it's a best for a lot of people, but I think the biggest thing to take from this is try, try it on your own. Like if you want to try ketosis or the keto diet, Go try it, and, and if it's complicated or if it's if it's not aligning with you, then stop doing it and do something that aligns with you. Um, in my in my opinion, working with a whole food plant based diet, it's super easy. It's not complicated. You just look for vegetables and fruits, and you just throw things together and get the Yogi Trathi High Vibe Cookbook, and it's super super easy. and And see how you feel. Always tap into how you feel. Is it the best for you? The same goes for training, like this bike camp. Like, I don't want you guys to all go out there and start doing bike camp, like 12, 15 hour rides coming from nothing. Like, see what works for you. The same is with our diets. What is working for you? How do you feel? And then do more of it. Yeah, well said. 
You know, this panel that I spoke on today was about biohacking and biohacking is, to me, it's really about alignment and it's about taking control of your health and taking control of your life. And so I think that, you know, I could sit here and give you a lot of evidence to eat a keto diet and I could give you a lot of evidence to eat a high fat, low carb diet. And I can give you a lot of evidence to eat a whole food plant-based diet. And I can give you a a lot of evidence to just eat a vegan diet that maybe isn't plant, like isn't whole foods based, but none of that matters unless you're in touch with how you feel and how your the messages that your body is giving you based on the food that you're putting in it, because what we put in us becomes us. Okay. So you've got all the evidence that you need. I don't believe that we need to read all these scientific studies. And I, I, for me, this is my perspective and my experience. I don't count a thing. I have no idea how many macros, micros, calories, fat, carbs, whatever. I don't know any of that stuff. All I know is that I feel damn good every day. And we also know that um, this is backed up from what our insides are saying because we get blood work through, we use inside tracker and uh, we get our blood work every year. And if there's something that looks a little funky, then we adjust. But the last blood work I had, I was optimal in almost everything. Uh, and then where I wasn't optimal, I was in the normal range. So that's protein and you know stress indicators and inflammation indicators and uh, B12 and you know all these essential vitamins and minerals and fats and carbs and things to keep my brain healthy and my body healthy and my muscles healthy. And so I've got the evidence, the scientific evidence, and I've got the, which is more powerful to me is I've got the feedback from my body that I feel really good at 46. So, you know, one girl that was in the group today, I thought this, this, um, it was such a perfect story that she was vegan, but she was not a healthy vegan. So you can definitely be an unhealthy vegan. And, and um, you know, when we started almost eight years ago, we, we were good at it, but we weren't as good as we are now. And that's why I shared that cookbook last year. And that's why we've got a second cookbook coming out in December, because we are really good at it now. And the blood work says that we're really good at it now. Uh, but she wasn't that great at it and she was eating a lot of processed foods and, um, you know, high fat foods and greasy foods and a lot of vegan fast food and things like that, that don't necessarily provide a vibrant body. So she went to the doctor, she had celiac disease, she had candida infestation in her belly. She had all, she had irritable bowel syndrome. The girl was young. She was like in her twenties. I think she's actually still in her twenties now. She had all this, um, unhealthy results from her tests. And uh, so the doctor said, well, you can't be vegan anymore. This is making you sick. This vegan diet's making you sick. So you need to go on a keto, high fat, low carb diet. And she was like so conflicted because she was vegan for the animals and she didn't want anybody to have to die for her plate. But she needed to take care of her health, right? So she made the decision to follow the doctors. Every single one of her conditions got so much worse. Everything went downhill after she took the doctor's advice. And, it, and so it's, it's not 
it's not a finger pointing at the doctors at all. And I talked to her during the panel discussion and I just said, your story is so perfect and so beautiful and so amazing because if you didn't go through that, then you wouldn't be a health coach now. You wouldn't be whole food plant-based. You wouldn't be on this mission to share your story and your experience. So what I'm saying is that there is no right or wrong decision. And go out and do your own pilot study. Try a different way. BJ and I did do high fat, low carb leading into Ironman Syracuse, right? So we put a race at risk and we were totally fine with that. And it was a disaster. I got off the bike and I could barely move. It was a disaster. And we were like, okay, that's good. That's enough evidence for us. We're done. And we were still, we were vegan doing it. We were vegan doing it, um, but it did not work well. So we did that. We crashed at a, you know, we just bonked at a race and like, I think I got like a three hour half marathon. Like I could barely move. It was so, so funny. And, uh, and then we just went back and we got better and better and better. And so I think when you try things out and they don't work, it's wonderful because then you know what doesn't work and then you can eliminate that and you can start moving towards, um, you know, new choices that feel aligned with you. So how do you feel? I think it's the most important thing to always be asking yourself. And I feel this is a good point to intersect with. If you're going to experiment with these things, experiment with them in the present moment, how you feel, not expecting this diet to give you X result. Like I'm only going to go to the plant-based diet if in six weeks I'm whatever. Yeah, you got to be willing to go to a race and have a terrible right. performance right. and be cool so with I, it. I feel like that's where people <laughs> see, you know, if you go in onto YouTube and you try to go keto versus plant-based or vegan versus, you know, this high, high, all meat diet, the meat, meatonomic diet or whatever it's called, just all meat, like you're going to, you're going to see a lot of, <laughs> a lot of stuff, but experience it for yourself, right? There is there is some unknowing, right? Be okay with not knowing that step A and step B might not get you to the end point. And the body's like, really okay. resilient. So like this girl in the group today who got really sick, like she said to her, she said today, she said, now I'm back on track for the first time in my life. My health is on track and everything is aligning, but she had to get really sick, but she's recovered, you know? So sometimes we have to get a little bit, um, sick to get better, you know, and that's actually a, um, a concept in Chinese medicine is mankin that sometimes we get a little bit worse before we get better. That's the same thing with injury. And sometimes we get a little bit worse before we get better. Sometimes we have to hit rock bottom before we make change. Sometimes we have to go slower to get faster. Yeah. Sometimes we have to go slower to get faster. And then as far as, um, do I believe that a whole food plant based diet is the best diet for everyone? Everybody is here on their own journey. You got to figure it out for yourself. For me, hands down, the best diet. Nobody has to die for me to feel amazing. And I am committed to not being harmful in this life, in the words that I use and how I communicate with people, how I place my foot on the ground. I mean, I am constantly watching for ants on the trail. I know I miss some of them, but my intention is never to harm, never to harm. And the fact that I get to eat food and nobody dies for it, that's just amazing because for me, when I went vegan, 
uh, and stopped eating the stress and the fear and the sadness and the isolation and uh, the grief of animals because it doesn't matter if they're grass-fed. It doesn't matter if they live a beautiful life because that that used to be important to me. Like, oh, they live a great life. They have all this land. The end point is always the same and it's nasty and it's very dirty and I don't have to be involved in that anymore and that makes me feel really grateful. Also, I think that the earth appreciates it too because we're not clearing, I'm not contributing to the deforestation anymore or species extinction. And sure, I um, I have plant, I eat plants which are living beings and um, what I can tell you is that my cuts are clean and my knife is sharp and I do it with gratitude. So I create you know, as least amount of harm as possible in my life. And I am committed to that from now until the end of my time here. I don't want to harm anything. I don't and want to harm anything ever just, again. It checks. <laughs> I was at, I stopped, um, I stopped at a coffee shop on my ride the other day and, and this bee just started swarming around, just started hanging around. And then it was like getting close to landing on me. And so I just got up so gently and just moved my hand to like, throw some wind his way and he kind of moved away and then he came back (laughs) and he moved away and he came back and then he just finally left whereas before i probably would have been like freaking out like get away get away get away but i don't want to harm anything and and if he was supposed to sting me which a bee did sting me a few weeks ago then that's my karma that's was exactly what was supposed to happen so i had this whole new relationship being aware this heightened sensory a uh, level of sensory perception where it's like I can I can feel all of this I can feel it and when the same thing when I'm biking on the roads and I see like worms or little bugs trying to cross in the bike lane it's like I almost want to stop and help them along <laughs> and then be on my way so the same goes for me it, it it ticks all the boxes for me it just it it's simple it's so simple I feel good mm. it does no harm to the planet and the animals, you know, they don't have to suffer. No, they they're, don't have to suffer. They're pretty fired up about it. I love being able to look at a cow or a pig or a lamb um, in the face, in the eyes, and connect with them and know that I'm not a threat to them because so many humans are threats to them and I'm not a threat to them. And, and I love that. I love that I'm in that, that position. And if you, if you haven't had that experience yet, we went to Farm Sanctuary in New York and actually got to work on the farm. And I'm sure you can do this at any... Which is way better than a tour. like Way better than a tour. You got to volunteer. You got to volunteer. Absolutely. And do some farm work. But you're it's like great, right, it's good training. <laughs> right up close with the cows, with the pigs, with the chickens. You're like right there and you can see in their eyes. We got to... I can't believe how big these pigs were. These pigs were huge. Huge. I know. We got to make their beds for them. Oh, they're and... so funny cleaning out their mm-hmm. their their um what is pens. it? Little pens. They're so funny. They're little like, pens. <laughs> yeah, they're actually big pens. But yeah, check out Farm Sanctuary if you if you want to uh see these animals up close in person. Yeah, and just be a part of something amazing. Okay, second question from Laura. Thoughts about honey on a plant-based diet? So, you know, we were using honey for a while and I was going through the vegan thing, like, oh, we're vegan and everything. And then I realized like, you know what? I'm doing this without a lot of information. And for me, um, although I just said you don't need all the scientific research, not having that information did not feel aligned for me. 
And I wanted to understand more about what was going on with the bees and how we were taking the honey. And I didn't do a ton of research on it, but what I found was I didn't really feel good about it. I didn't like stealing the honey from these bees. I, I didn't like that. It didn't feel good to have these bees dying essentially because we were taking the honey. So we haven't really used honey and we're just using agave. And I realized that I use so little agave. I put a little bit on my oatmeal and I put a little bit in my cacao. I use so little, like I know that some people say that agave is not great for you, but you know what? I, I don't really care to tell you the truth because everything is mindset and everything is energy. And I'm grateful that I can put a little sweetener on my oatmeal and then make it it makes it taste really good. And if I felt that that was harmful, then it would be harmful. But because I don't think it's harmful, um, I don't believe it is harmful, but I don't feel aligned with using honey right now. And I certainly don't condemn anybody that uses honey. I don't condemn anybody that eats meat. Uh, I used to be a total bacon addict and cheese addict, and I've been there and that felt aligned for me. So it's, if what you're doing feels good, then keep doing it and keep noticing if it feels good and keep noticing how your body feels. So the honey thing, I don't have a ton of information for you on it other than the fact that right now we're not, we're not using honey. And for sweeteners in the things that I bake, I'll just use maple syrup is what I use. Use dates a lot too in, the, in the baking of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So but, I, I feel like this is a progress, not perfection area yeah. because there are things that we buy and Oh yeah, that di- like JoJ bars have honey in it. Yeah, all of a sudden you're like, oh, it has honey, and then you you make. But the I connection. love Jess and John, and I want to support them, <laughs> right. right? So the alignment is there, and I love them, and I want them to be successful. So we buy their bars, and for me, that like that nullifies that nullifies so much. You know, I you really can nullify things. I just. And I guess I could nullify the fear and, and the grief and the and the violence with meat, but ugh, I just don't even want to put anything like that in my mouth. That's how misaligned that feels. I just don't want to eat flesh. So yeah, I guess you're right. It's, it's progress, not perfection. So I can't rem- can't think of anything else that might have a little bit of honey. No, in my point is we don't go out when we're not seeking honey. It's just if it shows up in yeah. something, it's like it's very rare that it shows up. Joji bars, I think, is is one thing. But, you know, it, it's, it's rare that we'll see it in our foods. And so we, we, just, we just choose not to purchase it and, and be actively looking for honey. So I'm not, it's not like a hard line. No, like it's so super, important super not line. to have hard lines. When you, when you have hard lines and expectations, right, it sets you up for suffering. And I can talk to this all day. <laughs> you can just create all this suffering because you're, you either reach your goal or you're not reaching your goal. You're still looking for the future for something that doesn't exist. So just be in the moment. Be in the moment. What feels aligned? Back to what Jess was saying. What feels aligned to you? Do, do you need to purchase and put the honey on or, or not? Can you skip it this time? Can you make, I highly encourage you, can you make that connection with the bee? Can you be... I love bees too. Yeah, I love them. They're so amazing. I know. They're really awesome. I love them so much. And I don't feel scared of them at all. I don't Um, don't feel scared. And I like being able to, I don't know, help them. 
like when they're on the beach and stuff. We find that, yeah, they get, maybe get hit a car, <laughs> hit a windshield, and they're on the side of the uh, road. We did it the other day. I know, and we, we help them up all the time. And then put them in the... We're big bee people these days. We love So it's bees. funny, Laura, because um, I guess I really didn't notice until you sent us that question that we really don't have a lot of honey in our life anymore. And we used to have it. It used to be something that we had in our house as a staple. A little side note on the um, on the hard lines. I've uh, been listening to the Ram Dass podcast, which is basically pre-recordings of his talks back like through the 90s and early 2000s and uh, Ram Dass is amazing if you don't know of him check him out but he talks about having the hard lines like the people who have the hard lines about television is evil and you shouldn't have television and all this stuff and he's like those are the people in this life that you can't get out from in front of the television that's what hard lines does to you. It creates a lot of karma. When we say, we, you know, when we resist and we fight and we push and we say, this must not happen. I will never watch TV again. You got to watch those hard lines because you're creating a lot of karma that you're going to need to work out at some point in your life, in this life or another life. So it's always progress, not perfection. And what feels aligned with you in the moment? And if you just really focus on alignment as a way to live your life, then you'll realize that doubt feels like shit. Judging feels like shit, you know, and that those things aren't aligned. And that's a great way to start shifting is just noticing what feels aligned in your life and move from that alignment because you have all the answers. Everything that we spend our entire lives trying to become we already are. So how would someone become aligned? Like they're like, I, I'm not aligned. Like I still see meat and I still see bees and honey and it, it's not making a connection. How, how can people find alignment with themselves? How can they go in? Well, I, I, alignment comes from deepening your awareness and your relationship to the present moment. And when you do that, you slow down, you get out of the past, you get out of the future and you have an experience independent of the commentary in your head. And when you can have an experience independent of the commentary in your head, you align with that higher source, that higher self. And that higher self is not separate from the infinite source, the divine mother, God, whatever you want to call that higher power. That's in you. It's not separate. And so that's the part of me that I want running the show because the past and the future and the commentary in the head, oh God, that makes, that gets me driving in circles and like taking streets and like ending up in another cul-de-sac, right? Like just back up, go out again. And all of it's a part of the learning process. But as I've deepened my relationship at the present moment over the last Oh God, I don't even know, decades. It, um, because it takes that long, people, just so you know, it would be a good, good time to start you right now. You can't be aligned. <laughs> I'm going to, oh, hold on. All right, I'm aligned. It's all good. <laughs> um, actually, you, you probably have a good point to make about racing, but you know, it just starts with one conscious breath. Just in the morning, when the sheets are still on, just take a breath and notice it from the very beginning to the end, and then you'll walk into your day from a point of presence. What were you saying? Like it doesn't happen all at once. So we were talking about how that relates to like training and racing. Oh, in the car last night? No, just that, you know, we all know that racing is, it's about being present, but you can't expect to be present 
if you're not training yourself to be present. Oh yeah, so you can't be you can't show up on race day being like, okay, here's the race. Present I'm present. Moment. This is gonna be great. I've done all the training. I'm gonna be present. I'm gonna know every moment and be in every breath. And then the first thing happens, the swim gets delayed, and you start to freak out because you don't have nutrition because. Or, now the cutoff time is going to be... Or that you. Iron Man must be punished. Right. How can they not announce this to us before? How can we weren't made aware of this, right? So all these things go through your, your head. If you don't have the mindset going into the race before you even get there, then race day will be extremely challenging. It's already challenging enough when you do the training. You need to have, you must have, it's a must Especially with the yogi triathlete way, you must have that strong mindset before you even get to the race. It's the base. It's not the add-on. It's a non-negotiable. And we actually had an athlete at Ironman Louisville, and it sounds to me like he navigated that day so incredibly well. Yeah, if you, if you heard about Louisville, it was rainy and tough day. Really, really tough day. And Mother short Nature and swim. let it loose. She's so awesome. So think about the seven, eight hundred first timers that are like, this is not. This is not a full Ironman. Like, Ironman's wronging us. They're so, they, they're out to get me. Like, you know, it's funny. This isn't right. I was talking, I work with somebody in meditation and mindfulness who, uh, she doesn't train with you, BJ, but um, she was saying that when she added it up, it was still like 139 miles or something like that. She was like, eh, just round up. And I was like, <laughs> I love that mindset. Like, that's such a great mindset as opposed to feeling like you didn't get it done. You did it the other day with your run. You're like, should I go out for? Oh yeah, I was joking. I know, but there's the, it's the same mentality. Like, <laughs> right. You do a, a six point seven mile run. Do you oh, go yeah. out for point three miles to get the seven? I don't care. I don't give a shit if you get to that seven <laughs> miles. I'd rather, if you got the time in, great. Like to me, that is where you start to break your your thought patterns and your your automatic behaviors. Like if you're conditioned i gotta do seven miles i gotta do 10 miles i gotta do what if you did 6.35 miles what if you did 20.03 like get to that point be okay with it at that point and you'll be a master nothing will shake you i love how we started talking about honey and now yeah how do we get into that so i hope we covered the honey (laughs) conversation okay last question from lupe question for bj do you study the courses for your upcoming races in order to train accordingly, or do you train in everything to be ready for anything? And do you analyze your past race data to find patterns and learn from them or just focus in the present and future? And if you do find a pattern, how do you approach it? Thank you in advance. So first There's question. There's like four parts. So the first part. Do you study the courses um, and then so that you can train. Well, I mean, you kind of answered that with, with what you're going to be doing with me for North Face is that in these weeks now, you're going to make it specific. So obviously, you know the course, but in your... Yeah, absolutely. You, you got to know what the course is going gonna, is gonna to provide for you, but there's also, you need to be ready. So back to her, her follow-up question right after that is, yeah, you need to be ready for anything that happens. So if I trained you... Let's just say Jess is doing the North Face Challenge and it's got a big sick climb and then 7,000 feet of elevation. If I sent her out on the trail to just keep doing these big sick climbs and she goes out and she does 7,000 feet of elevation and then she gets to race day 
and they adjust the course. There, it, storms have come in, and we're not doing that climb anymore. And actually, it's a little bit more elevation because we're sending you this way, right? If I didn't give Jess the the ability to train at getting 3,000 feet in and getting like 8,000 feet in, like having her be familiar with all different scenarios with the focus being on whatever that course is, then she would, not Jess, because she's obviously strong and has that will in the mind, but if an athlete is not prepared to be flexible, to be flexible with what happens on race day, then they're, they are, they're committed to that one plan and that one plan only, and that is setting you up for potential failure. Nice. So yeah, course, course specificity is important. And do you analyze your past race data to find patterns and learn from them or just focus in the present and, and moving forward into the future? I do future? both. Absolutely do both. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't be in bike camp if you weren't analyzing data. Right. But I don't get hung up on the data. Like I understand in the grand scheme of things in my age group on the courses that I race, I'm falling behind on the bike. You're losing spots on the okay. bike. So, so that's 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 an that's a statement I've made from looking at data, you know, taking the bird's eye view, the ten thousand foot view, looking down. Okay, that's what I need to work on. So now, how do I address that? Well, I've done things in the past, and it's time to adjust things to who BJ is now in the present moment, or whoever the athlete is now in the present moment. Like, where are you now? Like where I was before and where I'll be in the future, it, it, they don't exist. Who I am now is what I have to work with. So yes, I, I'll create workouts and sessions and, and mental training um, opportunities to begin to move me forward to achieve this goal. Now, with that said, I'm not attached to that goal. Like the point here is to show up every day and do the work. Whether or not you feel, you know, as a coach, I have athletes you know, who, who may question this, like, why am I doing this? Well, this is, there's a higher purpose to what you're doing and it's to achieve your goal. Now that may mean something different than what you had envisioned because you're relying on something in the past. Right? So we kind of have a clean slate. Like let's, let's review what you've done, set a plan and move forward. And then we move from presence. So we've done the, the work in the past. We've set the plan for the future. And then all we do is just focus right now yeah. on each individual session. Today's workout, what did you do? Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about three weeks from now. What can you do right now today in this session to get you better prepared for that end result? Yeah. And you know, it's funny. I had um, an hour and a half run yesterday and I basically ran up to this little set of trails that's just a few miles from our house, but it's like the whole way is like uphill and my legs were feeling kind of heavy because I had done strength and, um, for two days straight. And, you know, I was just, my paces were slow and I was like, oh, heavy, heavy, but it's fine. I got the work done and then knew I was going to run today, woke up this morning and actually felt pretty good, did yoga and uh, knew I was going to run today, but I hadn't even looked at my plan. I figured it was going to be around an hour. And I looked at it when it was an hour and a half. And uh, I was like, all right, cool. And so I went out and I did that today. And I felt really, really strong. I felt good. And I got in almost two miles, for the same amount of time, I got in almost two miles more today. So number one, I love to train on time. Because I think it inadvertently allows us to detach from the mileage. But also, I love the fact that I didn't know that I was going to do another hour and a half today, yesterday. 
right? Like, cause maybe I, in the mind would have been like, oh, I have to do an hour and a half tomorrow and I'm doing an hour and a half today and I don't feel like, and it's like, ugh, none of that is helpful. So I was just in the moment and executed the workout as best I could, recovered as best I could, woke up this morning, felt great. And that's because you moved from presence. I think this is so great. Like you saw the 90 minutes and you would have been fine to go out and run and start the run and just see where it took you if you, if you weren't feeling great today. Well, right? you even said in the, um, you said go a half an hour and if you feel good, do four times three minutes at tempo. And I felt good. I felt good actually from the start. And I took Clark with me for the first two miles, which is always super slow because he's sniffing. He's, he's such his- a good partner to keep that warm up like, <laughs> yeah. in check. He kept that warm up in check and he had a great time and saw his friend Gracie and, um, and I was like, okay, I'm going to drop him off and get on this. And uh, I felt really, really good today on that run, which I could have ruined that run yesterday by knowing about it and prejudging it that it was going to be a crappy run. But I felt great. So yeah, it's just every, every day is different. Every day. And I love how you said that. It's like, yes, you know where you're losing spots on, in the racing, and so you're in a bike focus, and then within that bike focus, it's day-to-day. Yeah, right. I didn't approach this bike focus saying, I'm going to do three months of biking, and it's absolutely going to guarantee me that my bike on race day will put me in the top position. I don't go there. I just know that I need to do work to get me to a point, and I know the numbers. I know what I need to do, but it's moving me towards that goal, whether it's this year or next year. I'm doing everything possible right now in this moment to move me forward to get to where I need to go as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. And I think that answers her last one. Like if you do find a pattern, how do you approach it? So pattern, well, like the bike, like you're losing spots on the bike, right? right? So yeah. So I think having a bike is great because in so many things in my life, how, how much are you willing to take? (laughs) Like how many times you, you asked me about the karma of, um, the fits and starts with yoga. Yeah. The fits and starts with yoga, but, but also, when I was working my, my corporate job, it's like, how many more days are you going to take? How, and everybody has their breaking point. Mm-hmm. So in my journey, in my path, in this Ironman event, it's finally come to the point where I'm looking at it as, okay, I've done a lot of work, a lot of work on the swim, and I've got that swim right where I want it. The run, I've, I've done years and years of work. And it's a thing I enjoy most, and it's a thing I default to, to go out and do if I have a choice. But how much am I willing to take looking at my bike times year after year being the same, similar time? How, how, many, how, many, how many more many? times are you going to watch live streaming of Kona? Yeah, how, yeah, not be in Kona. So how did you feel this year with the live streaming? I felt, I felt like this was the last one. I really did. I... Everything that I saw in the race, I was looking at it in a different way. I was looking at it as, I need to know this now. How do people get to register in the morning? How do people do the sw- age groupers do the swim start? What does it look like on the race course three hours in? Like continually listening to the cues of Michael and Dee Dee, Grease Bauer, like listening to their details of the course, like understanding how it all happens. So I've taken my awareness up a notch to a race that I'll be in next year. Whoa. <laughs> How does that make you feel to say that? Oh man. All right. So was there another part to her? No question. 
No. No. That's it. Thanks, Thank Lupe. you guys so much for sending in your in your questions. And um, okay, BJ. So I'm gonna let you close off this this podcast with a question for you. So you're putting it out there, a goal that you've had for a really long time and realizing that goal and being able to vocalize, not only the goal, cause that was step one, but vocalizing now that you are going to achieve that goal or you already have achieved that goal in your belief, right? And what you know, the courage and the bravery and the vulnerability that that takes to put out there to the world, because literally, literally like the, we've got people all over the world that listen to this and not everybody knows your secret. What advice do you have for somebody that really wants to achieve something in their life, but they're like, they've got the doubt, they've got the unworthiness, they've got the things that you've had to really step up to and admit and look at over these last few years, I would say you put a lot of work into that. What do you have to say to them about getting there? You need to nullify all doubt all the time. When I looked at what was holding me back or what is holding me back, it's doubt. It always comes down to doubt. All my meditation is focused on nullifying the doubt. Watching the words I used every day in conversation, bringing up doubt, not committing. And you begin to notice these things, especially in meditation, when you can sit with your thoughts and you can notice the outs that you're giving yourself. Like I can do an hour ride tomorrow if this happens, otherwise I'm gonna have to skip it. It's, it's now changed to like, once I'm done with that ride, then I get to do steps A, B, and C. How can someone begin to change? It's, it's noticing the doubt that creeps in and you need to nullify the doubt. You need to work on committing yourself to being all in. And what does all in mean? It means something different for everybody. For me, it's starting to clean my bike every day or after every ride. It's stepping up my yoga game because I know it'll help me the next day achieve or get to the, get to the next session healthy, right? What are the food choices I'm reaching for that are going to help set me up for that next session? And removing from the attachment to what they're actually going to do, it's being in the moment, working with everything that's in front of you and asking yourself if it's moving you towards your goal or away from your goal. And get really true and honest with yourself about it. Like, get to the nitty gritty, as real as it can be, gut check if it's helping you or not helping you. And when you're honest with yourself, a lot of times you're going to continue to trick yourself into thinking, yeah, but I, but I already did this. You know, I already biked five hours yesterday. I can probably just go an hour today. No, that's when you need to start changing the way that you work. And I'll, and I'll reference one session last week. I'm doing these hill repeats and I did my six and I was closing in an hour because I want to do an hour of them. And I descended the hill and something came right over me. It just, it, it just overwhelmed me that I needed to turn my bike around and go up for a seventh. I didn't, I didn't hesitate. No hesitation. Don't hesitate. Don't resist. 
and I made it up the seventh time and it probably could have gone eight or nine. But that right there is starting to speak big volumes in every action that I'm taking in training and performance, diet, you know, meditation, everything. It's starting to, it's beginning to change that mindset. Many small wins, many, many, many small wins. Set yourself up for many small wins. That instance on the bike when I did that seventh interval, that's a win. That's beginning to change my mindset of, yeah, yeah, I'm onto this, I've got this.